Good morning. Hi, everybody. Um, I started renaming you according to different states that are popping up into my head. Um, and one person here, I think, might have already renamed herself, so I didn't change you to a state. And if, so if you are looking at your handle there and it doesn't look like a state, but I'm not certain if that's your real first name, um, I don't know. So I think you already <laughs> renamed yourself. Okay, so good morning. Um, this is uh, room one. So thank you for joining us on Saturday morning. Uh, my husband is going to pop in and give me a new cup of coffee because we just tried this Starbucks stuff that's like Madagascar vanilla, and I think it tastes like ass. Sorry for those of you who like um, flavored coffee, but it's disgusting. So anyway, he's going to pop in and bring me a new cup. So uh, don't be alarmed if that happens. Um, okay, so good morning. We have somebody who's already raised her hand. So let's go ahead and get started. Wyoming, I am going to um, allow you to talk and then you can take it away. All righty. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Um, so I have spoken about the trials and tribulations of my uh, the current practice that I'm in before. Um, and over the last four to six weeks, things have gotten a lot worse. Um, I finally got credentialed at the hospitals. I'm, um, on call 15 days a month, um, which sounds like a lot, but the overall burden to me is not too bad. Um, the trouble is my group just does not have the resources to accommodate any of this. And in my opinion, I am still not nearly as busy as I could be. Um, I would definitely like to be double busy, maybe triple busy. Um, and um, after having discussions with um, the ownership a couple of times, um, you know, I think in the long term, this is not going to work out. We have a difference in philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have worked the last six weeks until eight or 9 PM almost every single day. Um, I don't have anyone to cross cover for me on the weekends because I am the only, um, physician that takes call. Um, and it's not, it's not like a true partnership where the docs cover for each other. It's mm-hmm. although that it's kind of billed as one, it's more like you do your thing and I do my thing and don't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, their solution to all this was to actually, take away from me the one PA who has been helping me, um, who's been super helpful. Um, we hired a new practice manager, someone that I advocated for and his first order of business was to tell me that this PA will no longer be helping me, even though I've not slept for like six weeks. Um, so I've made the decision to leave, um, either now if the timing works out or, um, because of boards and stuff, I may have to wait a couple of years, but mm-hmm. I just think when there's like a difference in philosophy and there's no physician leadership, I don't see how something can work out. Um, something that happened recently that concerned me, um, I want to talk about today is no matter what happens in medicine, um, I truly like love being a doctor. I love my subspecialty, um, mm-hmm. patients have commented on it. Staff have commented on it. Boy, you really seem to love what you do. I love my patients. So in the past, like no matter how bad things were, it would always be, I could always like focus on the patients. And usually I'd be like 
more annoyed before I got to work. And then once I get to work and I start working with all the patients and stuff that I'm in a much better mood. Um, what I've noticed recently in these last six weeks, mostly because there does not seem to be like any end in sight. Um, we're just, I mean, like a lot of places where extremely short staffed. Um, although I think we might be worse in some other places. We only have two medical assistants for four doctors and two PAs. So you can imagine how that goes. Um, I still have no OR time anywhere, even though I clearly have the cases because my group can't afford to keep our surgery center open, um, enough days of the week to give me a day. Um, but what I'm noticing now is I'm starting to resent the patients instead of saying, okay, well, I'm here and I helped someone. It's, you know, you're the reason I don't get to go home on time today, or you're mm-hmm. the reason I don't get to sleep. And sorry, I feel like I'm tearing up a little bit, but it bothers me to have that attitude. Yeah. Um, so, uh, about a month ago, no, maybe three weeks ago, I had a Friday where for some reason I didn't have any cases or clinic. And I said, oh, finally I get to have a break. And um, one of the secretary calls me and says, there's a patient here. Her mom is 99 years old. They were in the ER. She's in so much pain. They want to come in and see you. And she's like, you know, I'm pretty tough from doing this all these years, but she's making me cry too. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, fine. Like, I guess I will come in on what's supposed to be my day off and see her. Um, it turns out the ER totally misdiagnosed her. They missed like an urgent condition. I had to admit her, I had to operate on her the next day, but Um, because no one in the group takes call and no, they haven't had a new surgeon in quite some time. Um, it took a very long time to get this all done because no one could tell me, how do I admit the patient? Um, you know, um, this OR is this hospital. So like, I, I like the staff at the hospital. I can't stand the process. Mm -hmm. If you book a case, even an urgent case, you have to look up all the CPT codes look up all the ICD-10 codes, give it to them over the phone. And I was like, I've never had to do this before. Usually I just call and say, this is my case. I need this equipment. Like when can we do it? So um, what I thought was going to be a quick visit took a very, like took me all evening. I think I left at 7 PM just to admit her and then came in the next morning to do the case. Um, No assistant, because again, you know, I was told that the PAs aren't allowed to help me anymore. Um, And her family is probably the most grateful family that I've met. They all thought she was going to die because mm-hmm. she's old. And I said, mm-hmm. well, I don't plan for my patients to die. I want to operate on them in the OR. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like, you know, she's 99 and we're so grateful. When she came home from the hospital, the first thing she said was she wanted to do was watch golf. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, and w- one of the OR nurses even said, you know, that's really cool. You get to help this lady. And that's how my attitude used to be. But I'm really concerned that my attitude is looking at them as an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an, so one of the hospitals I take call at, it's kind of like voluntary call. You can turn down the cases. There's no obligation. It's just like a favor to the hospital that a few of us are doing, mm-hmm. but you know, I want to do cases. I want the experience. So um, a higher level trauma came in that normally would be transferred, but I could take care of it. Um, and I was very excited. I said, I've been waiting for these type of cases. Um, I can't wait. Um, going to the ER to deal with it, you know, took a while because they're not used to having someone that, that can like come in and do those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I already told the OR, it's going to take me five hours to do this case. It's pretty complex. You know, they have me start at 8 p.m. And then I started thinking on how I'm not going to get 
paid for the case because the patient is uninsured. And I don't ever think like that. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's like an inconvenience, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, this guy has a bad injury. He needs surgery for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very bothered that, you know, with the current circumstances, instead of, I think, cause I know that there's no way out with this group in the sense that, you know, bringing the issues to them is not, um, bringing any resolution. It's actually just creating more problems for me. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I'm like taking it out on the patients per se, like instead of being <clears throat> excited that, oh, the ER is calling me for a new patient. Cause again, I'm really relatively speaking, not that busy. A lot of the late nights in my opinion are due to wasted time. Instead of saying, oh, I'm so excited. There's a case or counting up the number of patients in clinic and saying, oh, I have like more than last week. That's really great. It's like, oh, great. Like what now? How much yeah. later am I going to be working this week? Yeah. So that's like classic burnout right there. <clears throat> when people start to get, um, when people start to get that sort of like detachment and, um, it's like the unhealthy detachment where you start to like get, um, cynical and resentful. Um, that's a really classic burnout, uh, scenario. And so I'm so glad that you brought this up this morning because everybody can then listen to how this is impacting you. And I'm sure we've all experienced it to one extent or another. Um, so I mean, burnout is an energy management issue. It's when your mental energy is drained, your physical energy is drained and your emotional energy is drained. It's like you have your, all your tanks are completely empty. And then you start to go into like that reverse energy mode where you're really like, um, like things just start to feel so much worse, so much faster. And you start to feel like there's no way out. And, um, so it can really compound quickly. And I'm, I'm really glad that you brought it up. So if we just put your job, like kind of in its current form, and we could like sit and argue about like, you know, what's a fact and what's not a fact, but that's not going to be useful right now. What's useful is, is the job that you are experiencing because it's your, it's your world that you're trying to interpret. Right. So that is going to be, um, the, the circumstance. And then your brain is like making some stuff up about that. And so what is it that your brain, what do you think is like the thought that's coming to you? That's really causing the resentment. Um, I'm deciding if it's like a, what now thought, like what's next, or is it, uh, or is it just like a, I am just so tired thought, you know? One of those two, I would think the feeling that you mentioned earlier, when you were giving us your thought download, the feeling you mentioned was resentment and I can hear it, you know, I can hear it in your voice. And I've talked to you a number of times and I know this is not you. I know, you know, I know this is different. And so that's what I'm hearing. Um, so what thought do you think is like creating resentment? Is it the things will never change here. This is, this is just too much. Um, like it's, um, I just want to know what it is that's causing resentment. Um, I almost think it's that thought of there's a difference in philosophy because I have talked to the owners and said, I don't actually think my volume and my caseload is too much. Like if you guys are thinking that this is too much, we have a problem. Um, so I almost feel like it's a 
difference in philosophy? Because I know with the um, one of the younger owners, he's the last one to have taken call. He stopped a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out that he was Q12 because there are so many of my uh, same surgeons in my specialty in our area. He was on Q12. So his response is, well, this is the way it is. You just have to deal with it. And I was like, you're on Q12. I'm on 15 days a month. There's like a big difference in our work ethic and what we're yeah. willing to do. I feel like it's just a difference in philosophy. I couldn't believe when their response was, well, like do less. And I was like, I'm not even doing that much relatively speaking. Okay. So I get it. It's like, you guys have a different ethos and you guys are on a completely different page, right? For how you want to care for patients. It sounds like, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so then if they, if they don't agree with you, you know, of course that could generate some resentment, I suppose. Um, I just want to make sure we're really digging into the thing that's like driving all of this. Cause certainly there's something that's coming up for you day in and day out. So we'll just go with like, we have different philosophies. Well, I know that, you know, we've talked about this whole thing of like, I feel like Nord and whatever. Um, but I'm not sure it's that anymore. Um, so, you know, Kelly talks about the manual. So I have met with them a few times over the last few weeks to kind of talk about my manual and see what their manual is. So I don't think I'm being ignored anymore. I think our manuals just don't line up. Like, um, when I was, uh, he actually, uh, the younger partner came into my office the other day. Um, and he said, Oh, cause you had to be proctored at this hospital. So I'm still under that proctoring stage and he was going to do it. And he says, well, I'm done with clinic. Why aren't you done with clinic? Well, because you get all the resources. You're an owner. I don't. Um, And uh, my subspecialty is very different from his. Mine is very, very procedure heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, It just takes longer to get through clinic. So it's like, well, I did this. Why can't you? And I was like, we have different circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think I'm being ignored. I think it's just either they don't care, not because it's directed towards me. I think they're actually just not, I think they want to have someone in my subspecialty. They're just not interested in like having that person be successful. It's very much about them um, and whatever they need, not like whatever the group needs. I don't think it's um, them ignoring me because it's all out in the open now. Okay. So do you want to stick with the, we have different philosophies? Um. Yeah. Do you think there's an element of like, I'm right and they're wrong. And since they don't see that I'm right, like I resent them for it. I'm just asking. Um, You know, I I think there could be a part of it, but um, none of them have really worked like this. So um, I think it could, because again, they've said like, hey, like in this practice, this is not how we do this or uh, this is not, you know, this is not the role of our staff. Um, and of course, like some of the shorthandedness is affecting them as well. But, um, do you think there could be an element, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Do you think there could be an element of like, they've kind of given up and given in to the, to the situation and they're just not interested in changing anything and you are, Yes, I think that kind of has hit the nail in the head because yeah. um, we're now on our third practice manager in one year and our new mm-hmm. billing manager quit after less than a month. And it's just like a rotating door where I think people come in and they yeah. really want to make a difference and then they just leave because they won't, the owners won't let them make a difference. 
Right. So that that's now yeah. we're digging into the thing that's probably yeah. really causing resentment because that like having different philosophies doesn't sound that powerless, but, but having this idea that like, they're just not going to change no matter what. And they like, yeah. they've given up, they've given in the system is what it is. Nobody's going to change it. This is, <clears throat> but I have this other philosophy about taking care of patients. And it's like, that could really generate some resentment, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the underlying thing. Okay, so we'll just keep that in mind as we work through the rest of the model. So then from resentment, what are you doing? Um, I mean, I feel like I've definitely almost lost a little bit of enthusiasm. Now, I don't take it out on the staff because I think the little, very little staff we do have is working very hard, but, um, I've told myself that first of all, I don't even have time. I literally don't have time to do anything, um, Mm -hmm. that I'm sort of going to take a break from marketing myself. Um, we actually, we lost our marketer too. So we, you know, we're just like going on fumes now. Um, that, you know, I've said, you know, maybe I won't market myself too much if we can't even handle what little volume I have. Um, and then it's actually created a lot of anxiety on call. Like I'm not normally anxious, but for call, but now I'm like, well, what are they going to call me for? Do I have time to do that case? Um, at the hospital where the call is voluntary, if I turn them down, will they start sending all the patients to the guy who was here first, or will they continue to send me cases on my day? Like they have been, um, you know, so it's like you're creating so these future scenarios, the what ifs. Yeah. That's draining. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then what else is going on in your brain? Like, it's like you're, you almost said it a little bit like earlier when you're talking about how you're spending more mental energy, like, uh, I don't want to say it wrong. Cause I don't want to say it the way you, you. I want to say it the way you said it, but it was some sort of like you are now having a different attitude towards your patients. And, yeah. you know, I think that that can actually oh. be an action because this, this feeling here is like, think of it as motivational fuel for like how we show up in our lives. Um, yes. Okay. So, um, thank you for bringing up. I actually forgot this part of it. Um, <sighs> Now I feel like I'm behaving like a male surgeon where <laughs> if the patients bring like multiple complaints, cause, um, uh, then I'll just kind of focus on one. Cause usually my attitude is, well, you came to see me and like, it's such a pain, right? I, you know, we're all patients too. It's such a pain. You have to like take time out of your day to go see the doctor. You have to pay a copay, this, that, and the other that like, when they come and see me, um, if they have like more than one complaint and maybe they didn't mention it to the staff. I'll just say, okay, fine. You're here. I'll just see you for it. Um, I just haven't been, you know, I've been kind of ignoring that or I definitely have not been like reviewing records and stuff as much or being as thorough as I normally am. And like, you know, the big, the big thing for me and, you know, lots of women surgeons is how thorough we are. But like um, the other day I'd operate until one thirty. And I was like, you know what? I just can't. I just can't be thorough. I don't think I'm missing anything major, but like maybe when they follow up, I can be better on that day. So um, I don't think I'm doing, you know, as good of a job uh, as I normally am. Or say as thorough of a job. I feel like good job is very subjective. I'll say thorough job. 
I'm going to just say judge my own job too. Um, okay, so then what result is that creating for you? Like, and then if we think about the result again, for everybody who's here, because other people may not have as much experience with the model, it's like, we have this thought that drives this feeling. The feeling is the motivational fuel for how we act. It like causes us to do stuff and be a certain way. And then that creates a result in our life. And so I'm just wondering what you see as the result here. Um, I guess the overall would result would be like not wanting to stay here, not wanting to stick around and see if it could get better. Um, yeah. You know, um, my patients are mostly fine because at the end of the day, obviously I'm going to do what's right for them, but. Um, right. But it's at the cost of your own well-being. Right. You know, so if you know how in the thought we talked about how, you know, maybe the real belief, like underlying this, we have different philosophy is like, they've already given up. It's like your result is now you've given up. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like it's our default model guys does not necessarily mean it's a bad thing. And our default model doesn't necessarily mean it's not true. It's like, we're always trying to like get out of the default model and go to some intentional thinking. And I know that that's kind of what we teach, but in, in the reality of it, I think the default model could just live there and like, we can either accept it and not resist it and then be strategic about how we want to move forward. Or we can like keep pushing against it and keep resisting it and judging ourselves for it even existing. And then it just becomes like this cycle that feeds itself. So like, if you've given up, like, so what, like, so what it's like, okay, this isn't for me now. What? So what makes it so painful for you? Um, I just feel like in general, I am so enthusiastic about, I'm, I'm just like a very enthusiastic person in general, but, um, I am pretty enthusiastic about my patients and I truly love like what I do. And so it, you know, um, just having, um, this result of, I guess I'm not someone who gives up. Um, I'm someone who always looks for solutions. So it's almost like, you know, I don't like that I'm giving up. Um, and then that, that kind of ends up being the result. I got you. I don't, I don't know if I answered that question. I'm sleep deprived, obviously. No, no, you did. I don't know if I answered the question. You did. Um, I want to like open this up a little bit because we have Kelly here this morning. And so I wanted to just get her take on it. And then also we have a comment from the group. Um, Washington commented, um, I have some experience with acting more like a male surgeon and being less prepared. And interestingly, the experience is not necessarily bad. It's worth exploring what we can learn from our male colleagues. I think that's a really fascinating take because I see this in my own practice where uh, I have a colleague who I think is going to drop dead from a heart attack if I'm being perfectly honest, because the guy is like a freaking energizer bunny and he just plows through patients, plows. And somebody made a comment the other day about how like, well, send it to McMichael because she's going to take the time with this patient and don't send it to this other guy because he's not going to listen to them. And I've always really prided myself on the fact that I take my time with them and it is draining. But then I'm like, this part of me is like, why can't I just be like this other guy who just focuses on the one thing and shuts them down? Um, And it's 
in my mind, I've made it mean that it's not delivering good care, but is that really true? And it may not be true. Um, okay, so then Washington added, think of it as moving on rather than giving up. None of us is used to giving up. That is so true. And I think um, that we may want to explore that. Maybe Kelly and I could actually explore that a little bit in a podcast one day. Okay, so KJC, so hang on just a second, Wyoming. I'm going to have KJC come on here. Um, I'm going to promote her to panelists. <clears throat> and then there she is. KJ. Before we move on, before we move on to kind of try to like dig up a little bit more for this model, I wanted to see what KJ had to offer here. Uh, I think there's, <coughs> good morning. Hey there. I think there's Hi. a lot of insight that has come up for Wyoming. I see a lot of insight just in telling the story or like, oh, that's yeah. what's going on. Oh, that's what, oh, that's what. And it's like the insight is million dollar work. Just kind of like seeing what's going on in the mind and seeing seeing the manuals and seeing how they're different and so much insight. What I'm seeing Wyoming's brain doing, and I'm kind of taking a, a slightly different spin on this, mm -hmm. is like your brain, if I'm getting it right, is your brain's like, I need to fix this thing right now. Yeah. Like there's this urgency to like, is this right or is it not? Should I, like, it's this urgency. And first of all, just kind of the awareness of that, of like, you know, your brain's constantly like, what if, what if? Because it's kind of trying to calculate what, how I'm seeing it is like, I need to fix this right now. That's like, what if we, what if it was possible to just like be in the moment of your day and take care of a patient and go home? And like the energy shift that just comes with like, today's not the day to figure this all out. And kind of what comes up when you even think of having a day like that, but like the energy shift can be profound. And certainly only if it just takes the cortisol in our body down for a while and lets our body kind of rest. Because this brain of like, I gotta, I gotta figure it out. What if, what if, what if, let's run some scenarios. It's exhausting. And it, it'll, it'll fry out a, a hard drive. Yeah, it's a good analogy. Um, so are you saying, Kelly, like, um, I guess not thinking of ways to fix it when I'm in the situation? Because it's been like this almost daily for six weeks. It's not like, oh, okay, this is going to maybe not happen again for a week or two. It's been like this for almost six weeks straight. Yeah, like, like, what if just for a day, you're like, I'm not going to fix anything today. And then just conserve whatever energy I have left. Like, it almost is like a practice, like almost is like today's a fix nothing day. I'm going to just do, I'm going to do my thing. I guess my thought in trying to fix it is maybe tomorrow I could go home when it's still daylight. So I, I just want to, I love that idea because I also sense the urgency, Kelly, um, but I also am, am just concerned on a different level for Wyoming um, because when people start to kind of get into that burned out phase, things can kind of um, snowball. I think we've used a snowball analogy with you before. We if, did. Uh, we did. So, yeah. you know, obviously I haven't had time to come on here all month. So I was like, yeah. don't snowball. I was like, don't make this into a snowball. And then yeah. like on week, oh, actually, so, okay, Monday, I did get to go home on time. So I was like, okay, good. Like months over, I didn't snowball. We're good. And then it all started again <laughs> Tuesday. And I was like, dang it. Like, how do I not add to this? Yeah. 
I think too, one other thing to just throw in there is when things seem like they're going snowballing and they're out of control, I really also want to invite you to triage for yourself. Like Mm -hmm. what is the most important thing I need to be focused on for me and my well-being? Because if you don't do that, then you're not going to be able to take care of these patients. You're not going to be able to show up and do whatever it is you want to do at this place where you are. And like, I just want to make sure we're not overlooking some like critical state of being where your energies are now in that reverse mode where you're so depleted that you start to become unwell. So I just like to, excuse me, I've got like the new tasty coffee, but it's stuck in my throat. Um, The idea of like maybe marrying what Kelly's saying with what do I need to do today with this idea of triage where you really only have to take care of like the basic necessities and how can you kind of refocus and protect yourself if that makes sense. Like for example, you're on call 15 times a month, but that's volunteer. So in a sense, you can, there are things that you could probably do that would open up some space for you to then just be a little less pressured. Right. And I know you already mentioned that you were like worrying about if you don't take the call, then they're going to send the cases elsewhere and da, 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 da. But like, does that even matter if you're considering leaving? Yeah, that's true. Right. Like, how do we, how do we, um, use this whole experience as a way for you to learn more about yourself and for you to learn how to take better care of yourself? Yeah, um, that's true. Um, I think it was like two weekends ago, they called me for someone and I said, that guy should just be transferred. And then immediately I felt guilty and I was like, no, he should be transferred. First of all, um, you know, he should have gone back to the original hospital he was operated at. But um, I did do a little bit of that. Um, and I guess my thing is I'm looking at it. So I know previously I talked about like, oh, the finances here, this and that. I'm looking at it from my experience, um, just being a young surgeon. So prior to taking call, I was only doing one surgery a week here. Mm-hmm. And now I do on average about three surgeries a week. Um, last week, I think I did six. Um, and I think where I came up with a difference of philosophy is when they told me to do less is I was like, well, I'm only doing three surgeries a week. Like I would like to some get to somewhere between like seven and 12. And I'm only seeing 10 to 15 patients a clinic. And, um, some days I have less than that, but I don't have more than that. So in terms of, you know, when they say like, oh, you should do less. My thought is, well, I'm not even doing that much, you know, three cases a week for my subspecialty is like nothing. And then that's where I came up with a difference in philosophy. Cause I was like, well, can I just not be someone successful over here? Yeah. And I think that you have so much juicy stuff here to really look at and not something we're going to solve this morning, Yeah, different areas for you to examine, like it, you know, how long are you, you know, in your brain, how long do you think it should take to build this flourishing practice that you have this idea of this practice, right? Well, it's going to be different in different places. And maybe this place is just going to take a little longer to build that kind of a practice because 
if it's true, everything you described to us, if all that stuff is true, then they don't really have the infrastructure to handle it. Right. So it sounds like there, you have an expectation about how things should be going and that's not how things are going. And I just wonder if that's another area where you can just question like, oh, well, what am I making this mean? I'm, make, I'm making this one case a week mean something about me. Like I'm not busy enough or I'm not doing enough, but is that really true? Is there a way to kind of use this whole thing as this big, like masterclass on you and how you want to be as a surgeon? Yeah, I guess I'm more, um, well, I want to do these cases to like build up my skills, um, which you and I have already talked about several times before, but, um, for me, it's more that it's not even about like, you know, staying here and being so busy or like bringing in a ton of money to the group or whatever. It's like actually just doing these cases so I can develop my own skills. Okay. Yeah. Well, we all know that there are lots of ways to develop skills. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it seems like there's a lot to consider here and then we'll, um, hopefully we'll land this plane for you and we'll, um, mm-hmm. you'll have some things to work on moving forward, but it sounds like number one, there could be a, like a slowing down, uh, just in your, in your being, in your day-to-day experience, just so you can conserve more energy. Perhaps there's a way to look at the way things currently are and look at the things that are controllable and get yourself you know, what, whatever it is you want, which, um, sounds like you want to simultaneously be busy and not busy, right? (laughs) (laughs) I want the infrastructure to be busy, (laughs) right? But like, if you could just slow down a little bit and say, oh, okay, well, I tried it this way. The infrastructure is not there. So let me like get off so many calls per month and see about now where I want to really focus my energy. Like, where do you really want to be proactive with your energy? And then the other thing is to consider moving forward is how can this entire experience at this particular group, everything from, because this is how I'm kind of looking at things for myself is I didn't learn anything about the business in medicine when I was learning to become a doctor or a surgeon, I learned nothing. And I am learning all kinds of stuff about it on the job because I've been in several different places that have taught me different lessons about the business of medicine. And now I'm starting to open up to the idea that all this fucking stuff is made up. And so people just decide this is how they're going to do it. And then everybody in the group just like kind of gets on board and does it that way over and over again. But I'm like, wait a second. Is that the way I want to do it? Is that, are there other ways to do it? Are there more creative ways to do it? Like, for example, I just learned last week, people are independent contractors and they just go out and just make their own rules as they go with different hospitals. It's like the most amazing thing. I never even knew that happened. <clears throat> um, so anyway, how can the whole experience then, once you're, once you're kind of like settled and you have your triage taken care of, how can the whole experience serve you and get you prepared for the next step of your life? Um, you mean the experience of working at this job or... Yeah. I guess I'm not. Um, well, you know, it's funny because I mean, you know what happened with my old job. Yeah. I, I thought coming here would be the exact opposite. 
but it's actually very, it's this, the issues are very similar. They're just in a different environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, oh, maybe what I thought was the problem when I was like looking for new jobs is not the problem. And maybe the problem is such, maybe the problem is such and such, like you need better physician leadership. So for my next job, I would look and see like, Hey, how do these docs interact? You know, talk to their younger surgeons. Hey, how are you mentored here? This, that, and the other. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong about that too, but I think, um, I found it very interesting that it was almost the exact, well, I should say very similar issues, not almost exact to the old job. Yeah. Well, that's because people have been doing it the same way with the same rules for a very long time. Right. Um, so KJC, you have anything else? Because yeah, I, I feel like this is something that we're not necessarily going to solve right now, but just maybe give some tools to move forward in Wyoming's day. No, I Can it. I ask something real quick? Yeah. I think the reason I jumped on this morning is because I know it's burnout and I'm very yeah. concerned, or, you know, that I'm like, oh gosh, I'm like burned out already or that it's even burnout. So I guess if you could offer anything to sort of move past that, or I don't know if like an intentional model helps here for burnout itself type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And burnout will help everybody. So I have a particular point of view about burnout, about energy management. And if you imagine, I use an airplane analogy, imagine an airplane is in the air and it has these forces on it to keep it flying. It has lift and gravity. Those are opposing forces and it has thrust and drag, which are opposing forces. So imagine if those energies aren't balanced properly, the airplane will crash. And so right now your energies are not balanced and, and then you as a human are crashing or so we think, right? I don't want to ever like assume more, but that's what it sounds like. So if you're looking at your different energies, it's like the, the thinking energy, the mental energy, your physical energy, your emotional energy, and some people add spiritual energy to that. And I think that when somebody is burned out, one of the best things you can actually do is make a radical shift to put yourself first. And that's not something most of us, it, somebody just asked, is that your original analogy, Jess? I I made it up. I mean, I like my husband's a pilot. So we talk about that stuff all the time. Um, like the comparisons between surgery and flying. Uh, I don't know if anybody else has made it up. I certainly didn't like hear it anywhere else. Um, anyway, so the, um, when you are trying to keep yourself in the air and flying, you have to put yourself first. Like you have to focus on yourself. And so many women like won't do it. They're resistant to it. They don't know how to do it. It's like so foreign to think that you need to be at the kind of the top of your priority list. And in my opinion, balance, like not going straight to the thinking part, but going into the feeling and the doing part can sometimes help to get us in a better position to do the thinking part. Because if you imagine when you are so, so stressed out in that burnout situation, your, your nervous system is unbalanced. And the way our brain works is, is the default kind of comes from more of our primitive circuits and being intentional comes from the frontal cortex and the 
the lines that are connecting the two in the brain, they're just like offline when you're in sort of a survival mode. So I personally think it's better to um, go into your body and notice how your body is feeling and work on calming your nervous system, getting some techniques that work for you. There are a bazillion techniques, um, anything from breathing, meditation, exercise, um, laughing, dancing, um, anything that stimulates the vagus nerve, like yawning, physiologic size, um, humming, singing. Um, there are other things that are like a poor man's EMDR where you expand your field of view. And so if you can be outside and be looking and scanning the horizon that expands your field of view, um, forward momentum. So if you're outside and you're running or cycling and you've got this like visual motion speeding past your face, that also calms down the amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain, which in turn calms down your nervous system. Like there are legit a million things. Maybe this is a good opportunity for us to repeat some of the posts that we've had before on the nervous system. So anyway, the point is, Wyoming, is that once your nervous system feels more balanced or you have some tools in your toolbox, when you notice your nervous system is unbalanced, you can do those things and pull yourself into a more regulated state of being. Then all of a sudden your frontal cortex comes online and it's like super functional and you've got your executive centers working and then you can start to get to work on strategy. You can start to get to work on like, what do I want here? What do I want to create for my life? What do I think is acceptable for my life? How do I want to be in my life? Like all these questions you can start answering very strategically. Um, so that's what I have to add about starting with the burnout process. Um, Kelly has been typing some stuff here in the chat, journaling, yoga, bath, singing, nature, repetitive movement, laughing. <laughs> Does that make sense, Wyoming? Like not worrying about the brain part so much in the beginning, but really focusing on the body part. Yeah, no, it does. And I'm looking at the list Kelly sent. I guess the issue is because I just haven't even, um, I guess, been out of work to do some of these things, except for maybe like singing if we all sang in the OR. Um, And I do have the fun OR, so there's a laughing, but. The the interesting thing is, is you actually don't, you don't have to have a bunch of time. You can do some of these things in a matter of minutes. So here's what I think I should do is how about I make a post, some kind of like a blog or a post where these are all listed out for you. And I'll put it up um, on the room one Facebook page. And then for those of you who are on, on Facebook, we can post it in the room one website. So that'll give you a really nice list of things that you can do. I'll put grounding exercises and these neural regulation exercises there for people. And then, and really, if you just have a two or three that you could use um, that are kind of your back pocket type things, um, then, then you'll have a really good start on just regulating your nervous system, which will immediately tank your, those hormones that are cortisol and adrenaline and that sort of stuff and bring you your body into a uh, more regulation. So then your brain comes online and you can be more strategic in your thinking. I think that will. Be so do you think that in like this situation that we discussed that going to an intentional model is not necessarily helpful? Um, cause usually I find can, that helpful, but yes, we can absolutely do that. Um, uh-huh. 
and and it'll be good if, if everybody wants to see. I think it's always good to practice the model, but where I get a little concerned is, is if we if we jump quickly to the intentional model and don't spend time trying to kind of like dig up everything we can in that default model, it's like we're just sort of jumping to the new thing. And sometimes we're not ready for it and, and our brains will resist it. And then we beat ourselves up for it. It's like a form of like gaslighting in my opinion. So that's the only concern that I have. I'm happy to jump to an intentional model. We can do that now, just especially to show people how it's done, but then just take care with yourself in using intentional models so that you're not like, well, it's just my brain and, and I should be able to figure this out. And I should, you know, I'm the one it's the problems in my own head. I'm not saying you do this Wyoming. I'm just saying we want to be a little bit, um, compassionate with ourselves when using the intentional model. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So if you could think or feel any way you wanted about this current situation that your job has presented, what would you want? Uh, that I love my job. Okay. Well, I love my job such like I love my patients, you know, sort of back to where I was. Yeah. I love my job and patients. And maybe, maybe saying I love my job here is too vague because this is your job. Like the, what you described mm. to us with the infrastructure and the people and all that stuff. But what if it's like, maybe I love my vocation or, or is it really that you want to love this job? Um, I think it would just be, I love the patients because that to me is like the core of it. Okay. That, that works. I just want to make sure we're representing truly what you want here. Okay. So I love my patients. And when you think that thought, how do you feel? Um, I think I feel more like enthusiastic, more, more light almost. Yeah. And then when you feel enthusiastic, how do you, what do you do? Um, I feel like I'm more focused, um, more focused on the patients, I guess. Okay. What else? Um, I guess that I'm not in such a rush to get out of there and go home. Okay. Okay. What else? I would, I don't think this is an action, um, but I guess just feeling less resentful. Maybe that's a feeling. But if you're like actively feeling less resentful, I guess we could say if we can just put it in the A line. What about you though? Like how, how do you relate to yourself? Cause this is all like external. Like I love my mm-hmm. patients and that's not a bad thing. Um, but how does it relate back to you? Like how can, how can this like help you take your care of yourself? Uh, almost like I feel like I'm doing my purpose in life. Okay. So like, I don't know, maybe that's like, like too broad. I don't know. 
No, I get it. It's like you feel aligned or something like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, cause I was, de- cause I was debating actually going through this. I'm like, wait, is the, you know, the new thought that I love my patients or whatever, but I don't think I'm going to love this job. So I was like, well, maybe I can just focus on things that are good about it. Focus on the good mm-hmm. things. Yeah. You know, not, not snowballing. Yeah. So basically then you're creating, you're creating space to love your patients Mm -hmm. in your life. And then this is great because in the other model, there is no space to love your patients because it's just like a bunch of shit. So now it's like create space to love your patients. And maybe like to Kelly's point, that's, that's, and into my point too, with triage, maybe that's like, you know, in the A, B, C, D, E of life, maybe that's, you know, your airway, maybe that's A, it's like having that conduit to love your patients is the thing, is one thing that you could kind of come back to as a touch tree to keep you from spinning. Yeah. Or even, um, you know, creating space for myself, right. If we're, if there's like more space being created, then, Hey, I can take some of that space too. Uh Uh-huh. So I think the emphasis here is on the create space. Um, Yeah. I'm going to add myself. Yep. So this is really interesting. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot is like, we talk about feelings and we get really granular with the description of feelings, but what if it's like, when you're first kind of going through this and you're gaining awareness about any particular model that you're living in. And it's like, am I open or closed? And usually in the default model, we're closed, but just even having the awareness of if you feel open or closed changes how you experience the moment. It's like the first model that we discussed is closed. Resentful is like a closed feeling, but enthusiastic or love or light. All of those are descriptions of like an openness. And anytime we can shift into that like openness, it invites us to be very creative and exploratory and not bogged down and not overwhelmed. And and it's just like a completely different experience of life. So nothing really changes in the job. It just changes how we experience the job, if that makes sense. Right. Good. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. As always. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. So let's go ahead and see if we can do like a lightning round. Um, And then if nobody wants to do a lightning round, then maybe, um, uh, KJC and I can talk. Does anybody have anything they want to talk about quickly in the last nine minutes? We covered a lot of ground this morning with, um, burnout and um, nervous system stuff and tensional model, default model. Yes. So Washington is going to come on and tell us about another webinar she was on this morning. Come on. This will be great because KJC is also, um, if this is who I think it is, um, KJC is like a certified menopause specialist. Hang on. Washington, here we go. You're up. 
KJC, I didn't know you were a certified menopause specialist. I just learned this morning that that is even a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. What were you doing? <laughs> uh, I, through some friends of friends, other female surgeons, I got hooked into a webinar this morning on menopause. Awesome. And it was Oh, I mean, it wasn't earth shattering, honestly, but I just wanted to bring it up to all of us that there are resources out there. And let's see, the first speaker really was a coach who went through the model more or less that you guys use. She used a little bit different framework that I thought was helpful. Uh, second speaker was talking about diet and fitness. Um Diet, a couple things that blew my mind were encouraging women to actually eat more protein in perimenopause to help with the lean muscle mass. I was a little bit surprised by that because I've actually been trying to cut down the protein, but cutting down red meat, I think, is really more the point. Um, and of course, the weight bearing exercises. Uh, third speaker was a certified menopause specialist. So that's where I learned about that and discovered that there are none listed in my current state, which is not Washington. <laughs> but I'm glad to know, Kelly, that you are one, because if I ever need one, I might be able to hit you up for pointing me towards someone closer to me. But uh, and then the last speaker that I actually skipped out on to come to you guys, uh, last speaker was about, oh God, I'm going to forget what they're called. Kelly will know. Um, the like pseudoestrogens. Um, the, or, the, or the like estrogen disruptors is that the right thing is what the oh, right sure, sure, sure. uh you know bpa and i don't know soy i don't know how much i buy this anyway uh but i skipped out on that one because i wanted to come and join you guys i haven't been able to join we're you guys definitely yet. better than that one <laughs> what was that kelly i said we're definitely better than that one yeah. So KJC, I, I've been, you know, like talking about perimenopause with Kelly for, cause she has to listen to me whine all the time about it. Um, <laughs> I think that KJC maybe perhaps could do a webinar for us because, um, why not? And I want to know Washington, what did they say about alcohol and menopause? Anything? Um, oh God, put me on the spot. See if I was actually paying attention. Um, <laughs> I, I don't remember that she specifically mentioned alcohol. I could have done like the male thing and just pretended that I knew the answer and just say, well, we should cut down alcohol. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Washington, you are funny. Yes. Oh, you're too kind. I don't normally think of myself as funny. When people use the advice like, oh, just use humor to diffuse the like crappy work situation. I'm like, I am not that person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my so, very dry sense of humor doesn't usually go over very well. Um, the reason I ask is because Kelly, you know, has been off alcohol for almost a year and I have cut back quite a bit. But the other day I because I don't drink alcohol on the regular, but the other day I had two glasses of wine and I had hot flashes all night long and oh I that is very interesting yes and I was like "Ooh, see like I really covet my sleep like my sleep if I don't like it is the primary thing that I that I am committed to in my own self-care plan is my sleep I mean and when it was disrupted I was like there's no amount of Sauvignon Blanc that I would want to drink 
that yeah. if it's going to just, if it's going to make me hot like this all night long. And I just wonder, I mean, and then I asked Kelly and Kelly's like, yup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is very interesting. I, yeah. I w- am just as a surgeon, I find this whole idea of perimenopause, menopause, terrifying. It's hard enough to deal with predictable menstrual cycles as surgeons. Mm-hmm. And when it becomes unpredictable or this horrible thing that I keep hearing about called flooding, like what the hell are we supposed to do? What's flooding? Apparently bleeding to the point that nothing works, Jess. Oh, awesome. (laughs) I have a friend who was an executive. She actually used to work for Cerner. Mm -hmm. And when she went through, she was wearing multiple tampons and pads. Oh, and she would bleed through in the course of a meeting. Kelly, is this a thing? Yep, it's a thing. What um, do you do? So think of think of perimenopause like reverse puberty. Like puberty is super awkward and stuttery because you're trying to like get online, <laughs> and then like perimenopause is awkward and stuttery because it's trying to like get offline. Uh huh. And so like so many women, and, and the, the, the fascinating thing to me is that women are 51% of the goddamn population Yeah, and, and there's no education. There's no teaching. The doctors don't know. We yeah. are in the freaking dark with this because of how we shame people for getting older. Yeah. And so there's a whole interesting social thing about why nobody knows a damn thing about a normal thing that happens if you live long enough. Yeah. 51. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so heavy periods and perimenopause is super common, oh God. but women don't even know that. Yeah. Right. They just think they're like, we just basically just think we're going crazy all the time. Um, yeah. The I only reason I know it is because I happen to have this friend who is basically my surrogate mother and she is very open. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I would never have heard about it. Yeah. yeah but, it's, um, it's crazy. Um, I have a surgeon friend who is having horrific heart palpitations. Horrific. Oh God. I'm, I'm unsafe to drive my children heart palpitations. Gets a million dollar cardiac workup because cardiologists, their job is to not miss heart attacks, right? Right. Their job yeah. is to not tell you you're in perimenopause, but most cardiologists don't know that heart palpitations are a somewhat common sign of perimenopause. Oh, that's interesting because I've been getting heart palpitations lately. Yeah, there you mm. go. So, see, this call was more important. So, so I run into her in the surgeon's lounge and she tells me about her heart palpitations and I'm like, oh, you're in perimenopause. And she's like, what? <laughs> she goes, she goes to her primary care ob guy and I forget and gets on some hormones and the heart palpitations completely stop. And she finds oh, wow. me again and she's like, why did I have to run into you in the surgeon's lounge to fix my problem? Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's staggering. Like how much people don't, it's like the cardiologist should know on the differential, if you're 48 and you have heart palpitations, it could be perimenopause. It's a common thing, but it's, we're completely gaslit into just like, oh, you're crazy. Yeah. I think that this might be uh, Kelly. I mean, not to put pressure on you, but I am putting pressure on you. I know you do this in your, um, in your other, in your other business, the, you are not broken business, but how, is there a way we could kind of loop in this education, especially since we're still on the body part, um, for our peeps? We'll do it. We'll do one. We'll do one in June. Cool. 
I think we have our June dates up. We can just pick one as like a menopause. I think another thing they brought up this morning that really worries me as a surgeon is that one of the symptoms is irritability. (laughs) (laughs) Washington, you are funny. Our jobs are already irritating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You might have to reframe your personal belief of you are actually quite funny. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) I make my husband laugh on a regular basis, but again, he gets my dry sense of humor. So, you know. I love it. Well, thanks for bringing that up. It's, it's a really good topic to expose for us to dive into a little deeper. Well, thanks for listening and for creating this kind of group where we can all share these things. That's awesome. Pleasure. Awesome. I think in in the closing thoughts, tying up uh, uh, Wyoming and Washington is, you know, how Jess, and it's like self-care, 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 right? And it's like, if you can get, if you can just start to figure that out, maybe before perimenopause or menopause, (laughs) (laughs) self-care just becomes more and more and more important, right? And and, and then you wake up, you realize you're 73 and you're like, I haven't taken care of this body. It's like the body is, is the spaceship for this planet, right? Like it needs to be cared for. Um, is, so I just tie that all in I'm like eh, the time is now it's always now the time yeah. to take care of the body I mean we we are more attuned to the needs of our vehicles like my Toyota is going in this afternoon to get its oil changed and I will never miss that ever I will not ever not put gas in the car and I will never not rotate the tires I just won't do it because I don't want to be caught on the freeway with a you know a jalopy and so <laughs> But yeah, my, but, but we all like let our bodies be jalopies because like, why would we think to tune things up? Well, we don't, we don't, we take them for granted and we drive them into the ground. Like I, women mm-hmm. complain all the time. I'm like, you know, you need to be on vaginal estrogen now or whatever it is that they're seeing me for in clinic. And they're like, Ugh. And I'm like, you take your car in at like 10,000, 15,000, 20,000. Like we don't, we're like, Ugh. <laughs> quite as much with the car right we know that doesn't even last a lifetime so I think a reframe on like this is the spaceship that you get to enjoy earth with and the the other piece of that again wrapping up um, Wyoming is like to make friends with your brain your brain says stupid shit all the time but just like learning how to make it your best friend is like a, a new skill I'm exploring. I'm like, I'm gonna make my brain my best friend. And what does yeah. that look like? It's kind of fun to think about. <clears throat> All right. I have another call right now, guys. So have a great day. Love you. Love you. Bye.